This podcast was first broadcast on Fresh FM, the top of the South community access radio station. For more information on Fresh FM, as well as links to other great local podcasts, go on our website freshfm.net or download the accessmedia.nz app.
Well, good evening. This is uh, Totally Wired on Fresh FM. Uh, and that was the Bee Gees and Staying Alive from Saturday Night Fever, Jack. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of disco film. Oh. Are you familiar with it? Are you? That's pretty novel. I didn't... Uh, I suppose I should have known that it came out uh, this year, in 1978. Yes, you probably should. Because it was the number one hit. Um, its soundtrack was the number one hit for 24 weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like 24 weeks at the top of the chart. More than half, or almost half, well, of the half year. Half a year. Wow. Almost, yeah. It was very popular. I mean, everyone wanted to be... So John Travolta played the lead part, and everyone wanted to look like him. Yeah. Because he had, like, a nice white suit and stuff. Mm. <laughs> no one could really quite carry it off, I don't think. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting, because the character he played was this um, sort of office worker that led a dreary, boring job. Right, as mm. most of us do. Yeah. yeah. So it's Sunday, October the 31st, uh, and we're in 1978, as as we're saying. But it's Halloween as well, isn't it? Yes. This evening. It is. Yeah. We I should have, have done a Halloween show, shouldn't we? Did we do that uh, before? I can't remember. I don't really like Halloween. I think it's like... I can't remember. Kind of a strange thing, don't you think? I is just it? wish I knew what Halloween exactly meant, because hallow, I think, means holy in... Um, the Christian tradition you have hallowed ground you have yeah and then actually today is um, also All Hallows Day which is um, well, it's All Hallows Evening All so Hallows Evening E-E-N yeah. is short for evening oh so that's where Halloween comes from yes yes. Hallow Evening oh okay yeah. I, oh, that makes sense but I don't know exactly what it's supposed to don't, so don't, don't in the in the Catholic descend or, or, or ascend, ascend or something? to heaven yes I said, de- I said descend which is bad. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no but um, yes so um, in the Catholic tradition um, souls um, souls will ascend to, to heaven on um, right. to be with God on uh, All Hallows Day which is today yeah um, uh, Christian other Christian denominations I don't think believe the same thing but um, right. it's still something that is you know yes I think it was I don't know how it came about, but that's what the um, Catholic tradition hmm. uh, says. So we yeah. celebrate by get dressing up and going around begging, for, or not begging, but asking for, for um, sugar uh, yes. from, from houses. Mm-hmm. That's a very non-Catholic <laughs> no, I thing. Can't, I can't imagine that's anything the Pope would bless. Can you? No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Did you ever go trick-or-treating? No. No, me neither. I'm not sure, really. I remember uh, a few trick-and-treaters w- in my childhood, but we never actually yeah. gave them food. Yeah, we were just saying it'd be quite nice to find out what the what the trick's going to be, you know, because if you, if you refuse to give them a treat, they're supposed to play a trick on you. Yeah. But I'm a bit scared because they might, like, I don't know, like let my tyres down or something, you know. Well, or, all the kids that came by our house this evening just constantly said thank you after we, you know... Well, you were, giving, you were giving them sugar. I did, yeah. And they're probably high on sugar already, so they're probably just like, oh, thank you, thank you, <laughs> aren't they? Maybe. Yeah. And only one boy said trick or treat. Right. Only one guy was doing it correctly. <laughs> did you give him an extra, extra more sugar? Uh, I should have. more sugar, son. Uh, but I didn't. You didn't do that? No. No, all right. Okay. Uh, so we'll hear some more about 1978 a bit later. Is that all right? Yeah. Uh, this is the sure. only ones. <laughs>
the only ones and uh, another girl another planet so we're, we're just talking about the variety of music in 1978 yes you know, a wide range of different things yeah yeah people saw it as a disco year but there was a lot of different music happening in 1978 punk was still a lot um you know dying yeah it was it was in the process of dying but it yeah. was still you know alive yeah um and there was also r&b yeah, R&B was playing, being played. Yes, uh, there was. We had this kind of new wave thing, and new wave, and yes. post-punk mm. was just kind of starting, and um, yeah, and funk music was still popular. It was, mm. yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah, and, and uh, me and Dad were just, me and Simon were just talking uh, about how certain decades may actually be more narrow in terms of their genre, such as the '60s and the '90s. And then the seventies and eighties were more broad, and almost more more styles of genres were accepted. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't I don't know really. I haven't really thought about it too much. Sure. I I, I always think that the, the 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 years that people like the most are probably the years when they were fifteen or sixteen or seventeen. It seems that's that way. When you become perhaps like musically kind of maturish. You know, if I had to name my favorite decade, my favorite years in music, it would be nineteen seventy-eight to nineteen eighty-one, probably. You know, I, d- I never really listened to the music of um, between twenty eleven and twenty fourteen, but whenever I go back to those pop artists, I still have a kind of a soft spot for it. Yeah, I still kind of think, oh yeah, that was that music was playing when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. and I kind of feel a little happy inside, but. Yes. Um, whether the music is actually any good, well... <laughs> <laughs> that's the point, isn't it? Yeah, that's the point. And yeah. um, when I was actually a teenager, I'd listen more to the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Jamiroquai, Parliament Funkadelic, and Rage Against the Machine. Yes. All these bands that had some sort of affiliation with funk music. Mm. And then I never really listened to ev- everything else that everyone was listening to. But uh, I but feel you listen, like I was... you listened to it since and had a warm feeling about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Hmm. Well, anything else was happening in 1978? Let's go back to 1978, our year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the do you, do you want to know what was the top selling uh, number one song for the entire year? Yeah, go on. Can you remember? Can I, what the, the 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 number one the best selling song? Yeah. Uh, 
Wings. Shadow Dancing by Andy Gibb. Shadow Dancing by Andy Gibb. Yep. It became the number one song on the Billboard Top 100 for seven weeks. Okay. So in the USA, it was the top selling. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to play that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sure. It's, it's kind of... I don't even know it, actually. I don't, I don't even know that song. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I that's interesting, Gibb, isn't I mean, it? But I don't... That songs that get to the number one spot, um, people can forget. They can. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and, and rightfully so, usually, because they're often complete pile of rubbish mm. it was okay well, if you listen to that uh, Shadow Dancing yeah it wasn't anything <laughs> oh yeah I'd listened to it before yeah did you yeah yeah I'm fascinated that the, 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 the these things that I think are absolutely awful and you listen to them I think they're great no 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 I said it was okay yeah no no I'm talking about talking about like Boney M and stuff oh yeah we'll, we'll talk about that next time oh well that was like I've only listened to it like a few times yeah 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 I that's haven't been burned out of it you know, I, you know, I get accused of being a music snob, but I'm mm. not really. I mean, if you, if you like it, you like it. It's, it's absolutely fine, isn't it? Sure. It is. It is absolutely. No, it is. it's not fine. No, you just con- you're just contradicting yourself now. Yeah, probably. All yeah. right. This is uh, Susan the Banshees.
of Susan the Banshees uh, and Switch from the album The Scream. Uh, 1978. Yeah. It was a good year for something. Uh, being born. Being born, it was a good year. If you uh, <laughs> didn't want to be born uh, via, or at least conceived via normal methods, um, because the world's first human conceived through in vitro fertilization. Oh, yeah. Uh, it happened in uh, 1978. Right. Uh, Lewis Brown was born on July 25th in the United Kingdom. Um, she was conceived in a Petri dish and then implanted as a two-and-a-half-day-old embryo into her mother. Right. Yep. I remember that. Oh, cool. Well, I wasn't there. I mean, you know. No. I was about to say. Yeah, you know, I wasn't present at the time when uh-huh. they... Went, did all the test tube things, but I right. remember reading so, about it in the paper. Yeah. You didn't see Robert Edwards, the um, medical researcher, um, complete the procedure. No, I didn't. Jack. Patrick Stepto, a gen- no, I, I gynecologist. Just, I just said I didn't. No, I, okay. wasn't, I wasn't there. Hmm. Okay. It was pretty, a pretty incredible kind of science to go on. Yeah, must yeah, be. It was. Yeah. Um, apparently, Edwards eventually shared a Nobel Prize in medicine for his um, for his work in uh, in vitro fertilization. Right, that's yeah. pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, it's cool. Excellent. Uh, this is uh, just another serendipitous moment, really, because uh, this is a song called Pretty Baby. Ah. Stars live in the evening. But the very young need the sun.
That's Blondie and Pretty Baby from the album Parallel Lines. Uh, any more baby stories? Uh, no, but I can uh, talk about something related to children. Can uh, you? Yeah. <laughs> You've just got everything, haven't you? Everything you need. Um, not everything, but um, Lego <laughs> introduced their first minifigures in 1978. Ah. If you were wondering. Because they're now sort of, I guess, symbolic. Yes. Yeah. They're symbolic now. Yeah, then? they are symbolic for the, symbolic for the Lego brand. Yeah, I think they are now. For their distinct yeah. shape yeah. and I, I think with their know, sense. They went, didn't exist when I first started playing with Lego. Mm, yeah. Obviously. Yeah, they introduced it in 1978. Yeah. And now there's like how many, I don't know, everyone in the world probably has a minifigure, don't they? Yeah, I'm well, sure like there's enough minifigures to populate the entire world. Yes, yes. Yeah. But everyone should have their own, shouldn't they? Like every person should have their own one made. That'd be good. Uh, no, no we don't I don't so. like that idea. You don't like that idea? <laughs> no. Uh, someone, so, someone sent me some, like, uh, is it China, some Seinfeld Lego and stuff, and it's all sorts of... I mean, is it anything you can't get in Lego now, you know? Yeah. In, in, is there any kind of TV show or film or... Yeah, I mean, Lego has just like, cool, been going to lots of different franchises now. Yeah, yeah. I think it's too many, but that's my opinion. Too uh, many? I, I mean, to be honest, when I look back at on what I played with for Lego yes I always liked the original ones that they did right like I never old, you were like an old school Lego person were you yeah yeah right. they had these sort of I don't know what that means really but anyway well yeah. they had these sort of Lego sets that were done as original sort of IPs with their own sort of characters uh huh and they had ah a, a, so they weren't they weren't like so you're saying yeah. they didn't have they weren't like a Star Wars they weren't Lego Darth set Va- they weren't Vader. a Harry Potter Lego set it was you know, uh, what was it called? They had these distinct sort of. Um, they had an Indiana characters. Jones kind of rip off, didn't they? Yeah, they had Johnny Indiana, Thunder. Yeah, Johnny Thunder. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Indiana Jones rip off, and then this rip off. And for then Indiana Jones himself. This, op- this rip off for sort of spy, you know, yeah. sort yeah. of teams called yes. Alpha Team. Yes. And then there was this um, sort of Lego City sort of stuff yeah. that yeah. predated the modern Lego City stuff called. And then they had this boy called Pepper. Yeah. And he just delivered pizzas, and that—that that was his entire identity. Yes. And they made that the basis for like lots of Lego video games. So, and you enjoyed that more than? Yeah, I mean, I mean, when I think about Lego, I also think about the video games. Right. And that stuck, sticks out in my mind. Yeah. yeah. And they made three whole video games based around these. Um, this guy called Pepper. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else from Nice Seventy-Eight? We could disappear. We could disappear down a Lego rabbit hole otherwise, Jack. Yeah. We don't want to do that. So when it came to. Um, uh, films, Superman the movie starred in 1978. Uh-huh. Uh, it was the first comic book film and started that entire genre. Yeah. Uh, and interestingly, at the sa- interestingly enough, at the same time, we mentioned Star Wars before. Um, but last I was year, Star Wars, wasn't it? Oh, last year. Yeah. Yes. Well, the award ceremonies would happen yes. this year, and it would get um, like best visual effects, best you know music score, yeah. and that sort of stuff. Um, it wouldn't win, you know, Best Picture, Director, Actress, or Screenplay. That would go to Annie Hall, which was a Woody Allen film. Yes. Hmm. Which is a good, a good movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did Superman win anything? Uh, no, it didn't. No. But it's interesting that I think this might be the year when the um, when you have films that can actually become franchises and become make sequels uh, to, you know, generate more money and to generate interest yeah, in a fan yeah. following begins that's when the film sort of changes right um in a way yes yes and how they're produced and how they're directed and how they're right written yeah, yeah. yeah yeah you could be right there because mm. mm. right. despite any any whole winning winning it doesn't have 
nowhere near as much of a cultural legacy as Star Wars no. or Superman. No, of course not. No, no mm. that's true. Right, thank you, Jack. Uh, this is Patty Smith. Fresh FM.
That was a television and see no evil from the album Marky Moon. Mm. Good album, that isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's really good. I've played some stuff from that before. Uh, I think what's that? What else is happening? Uh, Spain uh, Spain. restored its democracy. Sorry, Spain did what? Restored its democracy. So for 40 years. Uh, oh, everyone yes. forgets that Spain was in a dictatorship yeah, for 40 years. Yeah, that's true. That's um, true. People, people do forget that, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they do, because it was a pretty peaceful dictatorship, all things considered. Yeah. But after Francisco Franco um, passed away in 1975, the country decided to transition to a democracy. And it was relatively, well, re- relatively painless compared to most transitions because they, ha- uh, they, uh, Fr- Franco kept the king. Yes. as the head yeah, of state yeah, that's right. and the king is still the symbolic head of state in Spain yeah. um, and King Juan uh, Carlos I signed the new constitution in 1978 in December Yeah, yeah. and with the constitution they could elect a president and yada 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 yeah. it's surprising to think that I mean I guess for most people 1978 is a long time ago now mm, yeah. uh, but, but for some of us we were, we were alive then <laughs> and that Spain was in fact like didn't have a democracy yeah you know yeah something surprising. like i think there was only 30 democracies in the world in 1973 13 30 30 yeah that's not many no it's not um you know most of asia were in these military juntas and um then you I, had I these south america dictator probably... presidents in south america yeah, yeah africa was transitioning and some of them were still under colonial rule yeah um the Arab world was full of dictatorships. Yeah. Mm. Some people might argue there's still only about 30. That's pretty cynical. <laughs> then you also had the Iron Curtain, all of their Soviet republics. Yeah, mm. true, true. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you, Jack. Uh, this is the Buzzcocks, uh, and what do I get? Yeah. 
the buzzcocks and what do i get we've got some spectators jack yes we do and they are, are, they are they trick, trick or treating <laughs> i don't knock on the door mm-hmm. and ask for like sugar because i ain't got none mm. anyway no, they've, gone, so they've gone now for pesky uh, kids jack actually talking about um candy and trick-or-treating reese's pieces began in 1978 oh i like i like them peanut yeah. butter chocolate yeah a lot of people like them and but it only became iconic after it was featured in E.T., the film that featured in 1982. Oh. Yeah. So I didn't know. I just he had Reese's Pieces, you know, appear, appear during the film. And then um, <laughs> all the kids that watched E.T. suddenly thought, I want Reese's Pieces. Yes. And there was a sudden rush yeah. for Reese's Pieces. And it became this iconic candy suddenly in yeah. the American imagination and in many kids' ad- imaginations ever since. Does and, E.T. Um, eat it? I can't remember. I don't remember that and in the film. I think that's when product placement, placement yeah, started. became a big thing. But that's in 1982. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Mm. Um, so I like product placement because I like the fact that they can put something in a film and, you know, everyone just thinks, oh, I really fancy a something, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, just being I, you know, mm. and when I watch, like, James Bond movies, you know, yeah. and, of course, all the, all the product placement in James Bond is usually, like, BMWs mm. or, like, really fancy motorbikes. And I never ever think oh, I must go and buy a BMW. Yeah, that's because you can't, fo- can't, I can't afford a one. BMW, no, no. you know. So it's kind of pointless. But, but um, yeah, the rich. But I like the idea of it. Mm. You know, everyone's walking out of the cinema thinking. BMW. I think it's a, I think it's a bit silly. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> it's amusing it's just too. from that so from that point. Yeah. Um, another um, product that you know first featured in 1978 that I think was kind of important was the running shoe. Oh. Uh, running shoes weren't really a targeted sort of mass-produced thing uh-huh. um, until Nike decided to make the uh, first sort of types of running shoes in 1978 where it was specifically designed to move about as you run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It had also the, the sort of Nike design, the, the trainer design, and... Um, Quite an iconic shape now, isn't it? Yeah, that, it is. That, that kind of shoe. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Rather than just running in bare feet or plimsolls we used to use, but, yeah. you know. And they had kind of, the, you get these ones in kind of, you know, just like no, normal, you know, trainers or whatever you want to call yeah. them. Uh, you know, that's what people used to run in before the, the running shoe, I guess. Okay. Yeah. And, the, you know, you get, you get them all with gel in now, don't you, and stuff, all sorts of fancy things. Yeah. Yes. Actually, that uh, the, the running shoe that Nike made in 1978 was designed to actually be um, resistant to, you know, as you hit the ground yeah it was a shock absorber shock absorber yeah in in your trainers Mm. that's pretty good Uh, alright thank you Jack Uh, this is the uh, Gang of Four and Damaged Goods (laughs) 
and damaged goods uh, good stuff you're going to talk about the All Blacks uh, yes so they, they, they played yesterday as well they beat Wales I think did they but they generally beat everyone don't they well it's interesting you mention that because um, in 1978 the All Blacks secured their first Grand Slam and they weren't you know the best rugby team in the world back then but they, they were slowly oh, getting uh, better yeah, and better yeah, yeah, yeah. and this was a year that they really sort of cemented themselves as a uh-huh. as a powerful rugby team um, and so Grand Slam for the All Blacks is victory over all four home unions in Great Britain uh, so that would be uh, Wales, Ireland, Scotland and England yeah. um, they had come close actually four times in the past uh, they got defeated by Wales in 1905 then they had draws against Scotland and Ireland in 1964 and 1973. Uh-huh. Um, and they also lost to Wales in 1953. So Wales was a, you know, the big the team to team, beat. Yeah. But England never got in their way. No. So important. Of course not. No. no. <laughs> yes. No. So um, 19, the 1978 team arrived in Dublin. Um, they were in bad form, actually. They lost to Australia just um, a few weeks before. But um, the Irish were defeated by t- 10-6. Then they went to Wales, and with four minutes remaining at Cardiff Park, uh, Wales were leading 12-10, and the All Blacks were awarded the penalty. And um, apparently Andy Hayden, which was the All Black lock, um, fell, and it wasn't. It was actually a false foul. Right. So okay. that was some more drama to add to the situation. Yes. But then um, Brian McKenney then converts the penalty for a 13-12 win. Uh Apparently, the referee uh, added at, um, after the match that um, oh, he penalised Wales for a separate infring- infringement, but that's not convincing at all. Um, and then it, the Grand Slam was finally achieved with comfortable victories over England, 16-6, and Scotland, 18-9. Mm. Yeah. Good. That's the start of a big thing. Mm. It, it's a big thing. I mean, yeah. All Blacks being one of the best. Well, uh, if you're not in New Zealand at the moment and you're listening, then this is a big thing in this country. Yes, it is. Rugby is f- massive and will figure out more you know in the following years yeah that it just gets it takes this massive sort of place in new zealand society yeah yeah it does yeah, yeah. probably because of the growing success of the all blacks maybe mm. i mean if yeah. i mean if if the new zealand soccer team became a world beating powerhouse then perhaps that would be popular or maybe not i don't know i don't think it's popular because rug- rugby is played by a lot of new zealanders yeah um football but do you think it's been played by a lot of New Zealanders because of the All Blacks? Because it's like yeah, I think so too. The kind of emulation of of their heroes and that kind of thing. Maybe yeah, maybe it's vice versa. Hard to tell, isn't it? Both interacting, both influencing each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Jack. Uh, this is the jam. 
jam and uh, to be someone uh, from the album all mod cons uh, that's all we've got time for really we've got one more song coming up but that's it so we've spent mm-hmm. two weeks in 78 and next week we'll obviously be moving forward to 1979 yes growing up yes indeed i'll be at least 15 now okay excellent yeah. and i won't exist because i wasn't <laughs> born in 19 i was born in 1996 yeah yeah but you can't wait for 1996 can you actually don't care really do you i don't really know any specific albums or songs from 1996 that I can well, really attach to wait and see wait and see yeah, I'll see a special yeah. birthday year for you sure alright anyway thanks for listening uh, this is Totally Wild and Fresh FM uh, good night have a good week mm, good night this is Magazine and shot by both sides
Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this podcast available by funding the Access Media Project. Other great podcasts from Fresh FM are available through the accessmedia.nz app or our website freshfm.net.